Welcome to Unleashing Your Great Work, a podcast about doing the work that matters the most to you. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Crowell, a cognitive psychologist, coach, and the creator of the Great Work Journals. Every week on this podcast, we are asking the big questions. What is great work and why does it matter so much to us? What does it take to do more of your great work without sacrificing everything else? And how does the world change when more people are doing more of the work that matters the most to them? So whether your great work is building your own small business or managing a remote team at a multinational company, you'll find insight and answers here. Self-expertise is a concept that I talk about at length in my forthcoming book, Great Work, coming June 7th, woohoo. Self-expertise is knowledge about ourselves, accepting that we are specific and quirky and particular. How can we, me and you, best meet our goals? Self-expertise will tell you things like when you're best equipped to do your great work, Are you most reflective and creative in the morning or at midnight? It can tell you what to eat to recover from sadness and what not to eat because it makes you feel tired and heavy. It can give you information about how you best collaborate, who you need on your team to offset your own weaknesses, and a whole host of other useful facts about yourself. Self-expertise is about accepting yourself for who you are and then optimizing your environment around your particulars. Some of the most powerful self-expertise is about what works to help you feel better and bounce back from adversity or disappointment. One area of self-expertise that you will definitely want to generate is expertise about how best to harness the practice of gratitude. According to Fred Bryant and Joseph Veroff in their book, Savoring, there are three kinds of gratitude. Gratitude for things that you hope and expect to happen called anticipation. Gratitude for something that is happening right now, called savoring, and gratitude for what has already happened, called reminiscence. Each of these three practices will operate differently for each of us, depending on our natural tendencies. You will discover that some things raise your emotion and generate gratitude quickly, while other things fall flat and feel empty. For some people, for example, focusing on the big moments of their own life, like reminiscing about their wedding day, is a surefire way to generate waves of gratitude. For others, the real big gratitude comes from thinking about smaller, ordinary moments, like when your partner brings you a cup of coffee or you get a great parking spot. For still others, gratitude for things that happen to others that they love, such as if your sister calls to tell you that you got a new job, can generate a lot of gratitude. As you practice anticipation, savoring, and reminiscence across the many moments of your life, you will learn what works best to bring the gratitude to you. Now, across the board, the goal of a gratitude practice is to bring your attention to the positive details of your experience in a way that taps into emotion and evokes feelings of satisfaction, happiness, and joy. When you're reminiscing, Remember the warm feel of the cup of coffee in your cold hands. When savoring, notice the curl of your daughter's hair or the look on your manager's face when you tell her you got the deal. Whenever you are engaging in gratitude, focusing on these smaller details will evoke a deeper emotional connection 
than simply thinking about the memory overall. Let's try it for yourself. Bring to mind something for which you're grateful. It can be a family member you love, an accomplishment you're proud of, or a lovely experience that you had. Let yourself expertise guide you. Now let's say that you're grateful for the fact that you live close to the ocean. Starting right there, just think, I'm grateful that I live so close to the ocean. You might just feel a little surge of satisfaction in your chest. Now, let's add some details. For example, I'm glad I live close enough to drive past the ocean three times a day. I love to stop, get out of the car, stand on the sand, and admire the vastness of the ocean. Or, I can close my eyes and listen, hearing seagulls overhead and the crash of the waves down below. Visualizing this experience in all its specificity allows you to feel a deep peace. Visualizing this experience in all its specificity will allow you to feel the deep peace that you get when you're near the ocean. Can you feel the difference between that deep peace and the little tug of satisfaction that comes from thinking about the memory overall? This push to generate details, as well as the recommendation that you reactivate your gratitude multiple times, is because this is how gratitude hacks your brain. You see, your brain and mine has a strong negativity bias. Researchers estimate your brain will return to a negative experience 10 times more often than it will return to a positive experience. Some of this negativity bias can be explained from our protective instincts to stay safe, but some of it comes out of simple habit. Memories that we revisit are strengthened. That strengthening means that they're more likely to be visited again, even without your conscious intent. A gratitude practice activates positive memories over and over again. Anticipating a positive experience gives our positive memory a strong, connected starting place. Paying attention to the details as they occur in the moment creates a really strong memory trace of that memory that we can return to. And then reactivating that memory and the connected emotions while reminiscing allows us to prime these same positive memories so they occur to us again without our conscious effort. This is just the way the brain works. Now, my son recently decided that he wanted to learn to play the guitar. As such, we bought him an electric guitar, or a rock guitar, as he likes to call it, and signed him up for lessons at the School of Rock. Their program, just like in the movie, is designed around a live performance. Every week, he goes for one private lesson and one group performance lesson. The performance is based around a particular artist or a style of music, so Alex chose a performance program focused on the Beatles. Suddenly, my home was ringing with the harmonies of Let It Be, Yellow Submarine, Come Together, and Hey Jude. And about halfway through the program, Alex asked if he could sing in the performance to which they agreed. And Alex and I both thought that this was very good news. And I made it my business to savor all of it while it was happening. I brought my attention to the details. I savored the excitement in Alex's voice when he said, Hey Siri, play Come Together. As a family, we spent an entire afternoon listening to the Beatles' top hits. We discovered that while most of us appreciate Paul McCartney's songwriting, Alex naturally fell towards John Lennon. And I noticed that Alex took pride in being the only one of us who could fully appreciate the grittier and more personal lyrics of John Lennon. I put my arm around Alex as he and I sat on his bed practicing his songs. 
the feeling of his little body shaking as he projected his voice to sing loud and proud brought tears to my eyes. Now, if savoring is about being as fully aware of the goodness as it occurs, anticipation is about looking forward to lovely moments before they occur. In the weeks leading up to the performance, I shared stories with Alex of my own performance experiences. We bought Beatles shirts for all of us to wear to the performance. I rallied our friends and families, providing a link and a few reminders so that they could also anticipate and watch his performance on Zoom. I told everyone at work how excited I was to attend his performance. And then on the day of his performance, we practiced, got dressed in our Beatles shirts and cheered when we dropped him off at rehearsal. After his performance, we intentionally reminisced as a family over dinner. We reviewed the performance and we shared our favorite memories. We sang the songs again and we asked Alex what it was like for him, allowing him to reminisce too. Since then, whenever one of us wears our Beatles shirts, we tell a story from his performance, reigniting those memories and experiencing gratitude all over again. All of this intentional effort helps us to see that our lives have a lot to offer and it will fundamentally change our perception of our lives helping us to see it more positively. So when we activate and reactivate positive memories through our practices of gratitude, we will perceive our life as more positive and we will be happier even if nothing else changes. Of course, it's not like nothing else will change. In fact, other things definitely will change. Gratitude makes us happier, which in turn makes us more open to new experiences. It makes us feel more satisfied, which improves our relationships. And gratitude can reduce cortisol, which is a stress hormone in our blood, which can ease some physical complaints. The intentional practice of gratitude has been linked to a number of positive outcomes, all of which lead to a greater feeling of overall wellness. Peter, a writer I feature in my book, had taken a sabbatical to focus on writing his first full-length screenplay. He was struggling to make progress and was starting to panic that he was going to waste his sabbatical. And Peter benefited greatly from a gratitude practice while he was figuring out how to calm down enough to make progress on his screenplay. Before his writing was even flowing, he expressed gratitude for the great ideas he was collecting in his brainstorming app. When his words did begin to flow, he expressed gratitude for each and every one of them. And when he had his first breakthrough day, he paid attention to the details and took note of how excited, relieved, and delighted he was to have found his voice again. Now, Peter used the Great Work Journal to support his gratitude practice because every day, the Great Work Journal prompts us to name something for which we are grateful. I encouraged him to dig into the details of exactly what he was grateful for so he could activate a specific emotional memory. So instead of, I'm grateful that I was able to write today, he writes, I'm grateful that I wrote 500 words today. It felt like such a relief when I felt myself sink into the zone for the first time in a few weeks. And I loved the dialogue that came pouring out in the second act. These details will allow him to revisit this memory and feel those feelings again, giving him twice the impact from one breakthrough. At the end of every day, he was prompted to reminisce about his favorite memory from that day. Making the good parts of our life visible through a daily gratitude practice also gives us a well of memories to visit when we've had a hard day and need a reminder of how far we've come. Reflecting on these memories has another benefit too. You will become keenly aware of what you like, what you value, and who you are. This self-expertise will be critical as you work to keep your health and happiness intact while doing your great work.
Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, you've got to check out the Great Work Community. The Great Work Community is where change-making entrepreneurs make drama-free progress together. Come on over for a co-working, accountability, coaching, and just-in-time courses. Check out the Great Work Community. The link is in the show notes. Thank you for joining us today on Unleashing Your Great Work. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And make sure you check out the Great Work Journals to get the support you need to get started, stay at it, and unleash your great work out into the world.